0: Welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. It's my pleasure today to be here with Ileana Gonzalez who I met a few years ago. We were just talking about how long ago that was but um, we met and it was a really good conversation and you know she's really involved in the community and she was sort of telling me about everything she does as it relates to financial planning and financial coaching. And I just think this is going to be a super exciting conversation. (laughs) But um, Ileana, how are you?
1: I'm so great. Thank you so much, Josh, for having me here.
0: So you're a financial coach. And so I want to talk to you about what that means right now in terms of the COVID-19 pandemic that we're all dealing with. Mm -hmm. Right now, we have huge high unemployment rates, Mm -hmm. even before this uh, people were struggling, particularly in Santa Barbara, in California, mm-hmm. where it's super expensive. Can you talk to me a little bit about what you do in terms of financial planning, financial coaching, in the context of now that we're in this COVID-19 pandemic and everybody's got less money now. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what people need to do and how COVID has sort of awakened them to the importance of financial literacy and financial education.
1: Um, Yeah, absolutely. So sometimes people don't realize there are seven areas of preparedness they need to be aware of. This pandemic has opened a lot of people's eyes in that perspective. Number one, do they have enough money in savings? Most people don't. Uh, I want to say about 36% of workers have about less than $1,000 in their savings account. And typically the savings gets wiped out by typical emergencies such as no job, or a vehicle or a medical emergency. And with COVID, we would consider that the top priority is a medical emergency. Number one, it takes you out of work. Number two, there's no guarantee you're gonna survive it. I mean obviously we're all kind of concerned of what's going on, being attracted, but I mean people have been taken off like weeks when they you know when they are contract the virus. And these are weeks of medical bills that are going to pile up. And I think right now more than ever, people are panicking, number one, because for people lost their jobs. Really good people lost their jobs. Um, not a lot of people were be able to telework. They were not set up that way. Mm-hmm. And, of course, whether you're an essential or non-essential business, your hours were still cut back because of, you know, the six feet of social distancing, and the regulations around the cleanliness of a lot of places. So a lot of people were let go, not because they were not valued, but because they needed to employ less people.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So what do people need to know in terms of financial education and planning? I know that when you're sort of in your 20s and your 30s, you're sort of thinking, well, I've got enough money for my rent. I've got enough money for my needs right now. And depending on how much you've been taught by your parents or your school, you tend to think you're invincible. You're never going to die. You don't have to plan beyond right now. But then you know you have a family, and as you get older and you go through these stages, uh, it really becomes more important. You know what, what do people need to know in terms of financial literacy and financial understanding and planning for the future?
1: Uh, well, typically people have to look at what do. I want to ultimately be my financial goals. Um, It's very important for people to ask these questions. I think we just get so caught up with the day-to-day and paying of the bills and working and and it just becomes this cycle. But we never really sit down with our family and we never really ask, okay, why are my parents still working? Because we're not paying attention to that, right? We stop paying attention to that. We just kind of think it's what we're supposed to do. But when it comes to really financial literacy and and planning, you really have to sit down and say, okay, what is my financial future? What are my goals? And it's as easy as asking yourself how important these things are. How is it important for you to be able to retire with a decent retirement fund? Because as we very well know, our jobs are not going to guarantee us anything, right? So We are all living, I want to say, with five major realities. The first reality being that there's a lack of financial education out there, right? Where do people typically go to learn when it comes to money, right? Most of us would say school, but school really doesn't teach us the one-on-ones of money. And the one-on-ones of money is just very simple. Um, One plus one equals two. Where does my money grow? Um, How do I secure my savings? And how do I prepare for the worst? And number two, uh, you know, when am I going to retire, right? Um, Would you agree Mm -hmm. with me that most uh, financial uh, fights are between husbands and wives
0: and families? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's (laughs) well, it's because, you know, when you're starting out, Mm -hmm. money's not an issue. You may have your own money. And then the more connected you get, you start mingling and mixing and sharing. And then those decisions become shared and Mm -hmm. it creates a whole new level of Stress. Exactly. Yeah.
1: There is such a stress and anxiety over the uncertainty of tomorrow. Oh. So I think the most important part is, is to really say, in case of or what if, I thought those are questions we don't ask ourselves. Well, what if one day I get sick and I can't work? I mean, let's face it, we're in a country where there's more obesity, diabetes, heart disease, and issues that can take people from their jobs and can drain their wallets with medical bills, right? Mm -hmm. And so we have, a a number one, a lack of financial literacy as far as what to plan in the future. People live in the now. People live in the now. We live paycheck to paycheck. That's just kind of the way it is. Mm -hmm. And people aren't prepared for a pandemic like this. They were not. They were kind of caught with their pants down. So it's also important to find out, you know, what is important for me? What am I spending my money on? So number two is being conscientious of what we spend our money on. Right? Um, and number three is kind of the long-term stuff. You know, in case, God forbid, something happens to me, what was going to happen to my family? Mm. Right? So it's it's about right now. What am I doing right now? What am I going to do in the future? And then if and if three scenarios happen, God forbid, I die too soon, what am I leaving my family with? Debt? You know? Or a GoFundMe? Number two, um, what if I get sick? Right? Right? Um, Am I having or do I have enough money for an illness to replace income in the home? Because if I'm the head of household as a single mom, I'm a head of household. If I get sick and I have no work, do I have enough money there to protect me and protect my current daily expenses, monthly expenses? And number three, but what if I I live until I'm 90 years of age, but I want to retire at 65 because that's everybody's goal do I have money from 65 to 90 Mm -hmm. without having to work? So I think those are the three things that people really have to ask themselves. Um, and And then you put it on paper. What are my goals? When do I want to retire? Is my job going to help me retire? Do I understand my retirement options? And do I understand my money habits? It's money management habits.
0: You know, when we were talking about this, when we first met, in the back of my head, I was thinking... I can't really have a conversation with this woman about this because (laughs) she's going to think like, oh, you, you know, you need a hundred thousand dollars in the bank to be able to start financially planning, you know? And it's, I think like a lot of people are like embarrassed, like if I told her how much I have to, to start planning with, maybe that's something that it's like, well, you need more. So can you talk about what planning means or do you need X amount of dollars or can yeah. you plan with what you have or help me understand what it means when we're talking about what can you actually do to think ahead for your future and how much money do you need to have to start with
1: that's probably the biggest misconception mm-hmm. when I sit with clients and I sit with, with potential new agents that that you know come onto our agency um, they're just like man I, I just don't feel like I'm in a place where I can start any of this And that's just all perception, right? It's all really based on money management, right? It starts there. What do you do with your checks? (laughs) Do you make enough money, number one? Number two, um, are you living what I call your dream life, right? And I think most people have a dream life. You know, do they want to travel? Do they want certain things? But no one plans for those things. And I want to say as a Hispanic woman, I've probably seen my entire family save up for more parties Mm. than to save for their futures Mm -hmm. and that's just culturally Mm -hmm. and when we talk and we don't see the fights I mean we hear the fights but we don't see the fights when it comes to um our parents knowing that they can't quite make the rent I've seen it happen I have so many stories I could tell you I probably went to almost every elementary school because my parents had bad money management, Mm -hmm. mainly my father. Mm -hmm. And so we got evicted a whole lot, Mm -hmm. and I didn't know. All I knew was we had to move. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I go to a different school. So you don't know those fights, and I wish I knew what they were about Mm -hmm. so that I knew to avoid those in the future. This is why communication is important. But culturally, nobody ever wants to tell your kids your financial problems. I mean, let's admit it. Do you tell your kids your financial problems? No,
0: everything's fine.
1: Exactly, right? <laughs> All of a sudden, you still have a roof over your head, and yeah. I can buy you that Nintendo come Christmas. <laughs> right. They don't know how we figure it out. Yeah. But I think what's what's incredibly important to know is you can start now mm-hmm. with whatever you've got. you just got to know when you get that check, at the end of the day, where does your money go? Mm-hmm. And it's as easy as breaking it down. And I know that more people probably budget more than ever, but budgeting is incredibly important. Where does your money go? Fifty mm-hmm. percent of it we already know when we get it, it's gonna go to our bills.
2: Fifty
1: mm-hmm. percent. What do you do with the rest of it? Mm-hmm. Right? And what you do with the rest of it is important and it's where you put your money.
0: Do you talk at all with clients about the job you have? You talk about living your dream life. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get comfortable in jobs because Mm -hmm. they know it's steady or it's a steady Mm -hmm. paycheck, but maybe it doesn't pay enough or maybe they need to get a second job.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Do you have any thoughts or advice on, well, maybe we need to find a job that pays you more, even if it's not something you think you can attain, but Mm -hmm. you have to take a risk? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you just work with people and where they're at? or uh, How do you help somebody take a bold step to say, first of all, I want to earn more money. Mm -hmm. How do you do that?
1: Uh, Well, you know, everything is just kind of in in getting to know the client Mm -hmm. and getting to know financially where they are and where they want to be. Um, Sometimes they have to be a little bit shocked Mm
2: -hmm.
1: as to what the cost of living is, as to what future inflation is, as to what future taxes are. And then they have to realize that maybe their current career isn't really going to get them financially where they want to be. And when you shock them in that regard, then you ask them, you know, what kind of life do you really want to live? You know, is your current career providing the vacations that you want? Is your current career providing that? Um, I got to ask those questions. And I got to be honest with you, I think we do settle and we get really comfortable. Mm -hmm. People say, hey, I make great money. Okay, what is great money to you? Mm -hmm. Compared to who? Because most of us, Probably don't know a wealthy person, or we know a wealthy person, and we see them drive the cars and live the dream vacations that we see. Cause I mean, we live in a social media world, mm. where everybody's like, "Wow, they have a boat and a house and a car." Okay, how did they get that? Mm-hmm. Well, they got that by taking risks. They got that being being smart about money. They got that by really kind of just fighting for their dreams. I mean, we live in the most capitalistic country in this world. Mm-hmm. We live in the land of opportunity. We're not in the land of all jobs, and as we know, this pandemic has showed us that you're not even your job's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So you have to really look inside yourself and say, "Where's my purpose? What is my purpose? What what did God put me here to do?" Mm-hmm. I had to ask myself that question because I think most people are scared to become entrepreneurs mm-hmm. because they're scared to lose it all. They're scared to fail.
0: Yeah. It's better to stay safe in your space mm-hmm. than take a chance. And
1: Absolutely, the highs
0: are great, but then the lows could be right. really bad too. You
1: just have to learn to take a chance on yourself.
0: So let's talk about you a little bit. You mm-hmm. said you uh, probably went to every elementary school and alluded <laughs> to your upbringing. Can you tell me about uh, your life and where you were born and how you came to Santa Barbara?
1: Absolutely. So uh, I'm an immigrant from Mexico City. Hmm. Uh, I just I remember just my mom. We flew into Tijuana, I remember, at six years of age, and uh, my mom met these two strangers. My mother and my father met these two strangers, I, know, I and I mean strangers, I didn't know who they were, and they put us in a car, and this car had me and my two younger sisters in it. Um, I was six. My young, middle sister was four, and my youngest sister was about a year and a half. And they drove us across the border straight into Santa Barbara, California, Mm -hmm. into another stranger's house, Mm -hmm. who we did not know. Of course, we're deathly afraid, and I don't know where I am or who these people are. And uh, a day day later or so, my mom arrives with my father at this house, you know, and— Apparently, they're friends of friends, but I mean, this this is the risk that, that my parents took to bring us into this country uh, prior to, you know, having a birth certificate in order to cross the border, sort of a deal. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I made it into Santa Barbara, you know, I knew Spanish only, you know, and uh, started to go to school, and then at the age of 10, went back because my parents were fighting financially. They were not making it out here. We went back to
0: Mexico? Yeah, we oh. went
1: back to Mexico. Mm-hmm. We flew back. Number one, I think it was my aunt's wedding. Number two, you know, it was what it was. But I remember the second time coming back. And that second time we crossed the border physically with my mother. My dad already had a residency, so he flew back. But we had to physically cross the border the second time. And we got caught by border patrol and went to immigration jail in Tijuana, one of their immigration detention centers wasn't the best experience in the world. How did you come back?
0: Like, Did you try to? We tried to cross the border. Just oh, yeah, yeah. regularly? Yeah, the, mm-hmm.
1: the regular way, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the same way, just to get a, co- a coyote, like they call them, mm-hmm. to cross us uh, to the other side. And uh, we tried it again, and this time we made it through. And then I haven't been back until we got to our permanent residency. So I've been living in Santa Barbara since the age of six. Mm-hmm.
0: So do you, what school did you go to when you were six?
1: Um, Peabody. Went to Peabody Elementary School. Uh-huh. Um, and that's where I started to learn English as a second language. What was
0: it like at that time to be a six year old, Spanish only, in the classroom? Were you embraced? Did you have to overcome discrimination? Incredibly
1: challenging. Uh-huh. Incredibly challenging. Um, but I think at that age, we soak things up a little faster. So it didn't take long for me to do that. I think the challenging part was when I had to understand my homework. Mm-hmm. And then I have a mom who only speaks Spanish, so she can't help me.
2: Yeah.
1: And, you know, all, all I remember was just sitting and just, it was a struggle at first. Um, but you figure it out, you know, you, you, be, you adapt.
0: What did your father do?
1: So my father worked in restaurants. Okay. Um, so he was working all the time, worked two jobs. Mm-hmm. My mom worked one job, so um, I was kind of left alone. To pick up my sisters from school and kind of start to do my homework the best that I could. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of help from the teachers there because I was an ESL student. I mean, I just, you know, you pick it up fast.
0: Yeah. So you, you went to different elementary schools, mm-hmm. and then where'd you go to junior high and high?
1: Uh, I went to La Cooper Junior High. Okay. Uh, just for one year. I think it was my second, yeah. And then I moved, to we moved because my parents worked for Hardy Diagnostics. Um, okay. And that company moved to Santa Maria, so I ended up living out there for about a year. Okay. And then moved back in before high school and started San Marcos High School.
0: Okay. And so you referenced that, you know, financial management in the household mm-hmm. was a challenge. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about what it was like for you growing up and sort of when your awareness started to come in terms of, I might want to do something different with myself when I'm older and I'm financially independent, uh What did you start to see in your family, and how did you identify that you wanted to try something else when you were older?
1: Well, fighting, right? Mm -hmm. The constant fights between my parents and the constant moving over money because my dad loves to spend money. I think that's who I got it from because I like to spend money, too. (laughs) It burns holes in my pocket, right? So uh, he just wasn't really good about money management at all he was really terrible about it and I saw the constant fighting and that's when I became aware that my parents had a really toxic financial situation yeah. and then I realized that I had to do something different when my parents divorced when I was 15 and we just we just struggled and, and you know Hispanic families the more family comes we all kind of live together
2: yeah.
1: so we lived in a house with all my aunts and my uncles so that's the best way that they could make it yeah. Right, which is you, we all wonder why do all these people live in one place? Well, that's because financially, that's how they help each other,
0: sharing the rent. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I we went through that, and I was like, "Man, I don't want to continue to live with everybody." When I get older, I want to be independent and have my own family. And we all have the American dream of buying a home, <laughs> right? We wish we knew how to purchase a home when we were younger, like in the seventies and eighties, when real estate was in ex- fairly inexpensive, mm-hmm. especially here. Um, but nobody teaches you how to how to want to own a home, you know. You don't you don't get taught that unless, again, you have a background of that. So I just noticed that I really wanted to do something different.
0: Yeah. What kind of fights did you, did your parents have in the household? Was it like paying the rent? Was it mm-hmm. over how much we're going to spend at Christmas time? Was you know was it the cars that they were going to have, mm-hmm. or what, what were some of the issues that you had to? I'm sure a lot of people can relate.
1: Yeah, of course it was all over bills. Never enough money, right? There's too much month left over after the money. Uh, (laughs) And uh, saw a lot of that, saw a lot of, you know, personal fights between them. My dad was not the best uh, husband, right? But I think when it comes to those fights, I think financially is what breaks a family more than fidelity. Mm -hmm. But I think it became a point where I just really noticed a lot of the financial fights.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And let's think about it from this perspective. How are you supposed to sustain a marriage when you're gone all day? Mm -hmm. You're working working two, three jobs. Yeah, Yeah. when you're gone all day and then then Mm -hmm. life, you know, you come, you come home and you you cook and you clean and you go to bed and everything repeats all over itself. Like, how is a marriage sustaining itself?
0: And do you have siblings? I know you had a lot of people in the household, but how many of their children
1: were there? So it was three of us until my brother was born. So three sisters and a younger brother. And then, you know, when we first lived, we lived in a 10 by 10 shack with my two sisters, my uncle, my mom. Uh It was was interesting to have to live from a shack and then you live in an apartment. And then you, you, I came from an incredibly poor place in Mexico where, you know, I mean, there's no really running water, I guess you can say. I mean, there's, you had to boil water to take a bath. Mm -hmm. Flush a toilet with a bucket of water, so it wasn't the best scenario. So me having a locked door and a flushable toilet and a light switch was actually pretty fancy, you (laughs) know. And so I became incredibly grateful for those things, but I also wanted more for Mm -hmm. my kids. I never wanted them to experience that.
0: And so after San Marcos, where did you go? Did you go to Santa Barbara City College, like so many of us? (laughs) You know, I I went to DP, and then um, I just knew that I needed to go to college, but I didn't know what I had found, what I really loved, and I was an accounting major, actually.
1: Me, too. Yeah, and so I took a bunch of accounting
0: classes, and I was like, well, I mean, I did a good job. I liked it, but then I, some would say, made the mistake. I would say, had the privilege (laughs) of taking a journalism class. So much fun. Like it was like a whole different world. Okay. Um, accounting, you obviously make more money than you do in journalism. Right. But what's your city college story? Did you uh, find what you always dreamed of? Or did you have a good experience there? Or what was uh, that
1: like? I want to I give credit to my high school teacher, mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Belch mm-hmm. in San Marcos. Okay, yeah. She, was, she owned her, her and her husband owned their own CPA firm. So in, I, I did this purely because I at first didn't like math.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I knew I could take ROP classes to take math credit, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I hated, I didn't wanted to avoid calculus, Why, if, if anything, I wanted to avoid calculus and geometry.
2: Right.
1: So I took mm-hmm. R.O.P. classes the last two years, junior and senior year, and that's where I started to become passionate about accounting, yeah. numbers. I noticed that I was very good at it. Mm-hmm. So I was good at it when I was a kid, I guess you don't pay attention to those things. Right. They're subjects that you're very good at. It was not a good English um, or history But I can tell you, I did not like that. So I knew I could never be a writer. (laughs) I could never be anything else. Uh, So I really took on to, you know, accounting, and that's where I wanted to to go to City College. And then life happened. I got pregnant with my son uh, at 20. Mm -hmm. Had my son at 21. So I kind of quit school to become a mom. Mm -hmm. I had my two boys, and after I split with their father, I decided to go back to school and finish. Yeah. And that was tough. Being a single mom of two and taking full-time school and part-time work and being a full-time mom was really challenging. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at a, a business owner that didn't graduate college. Yeah. I never got my accounting degree.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that that's probably not um, that rare, right? Mm-hmm. You have a lot of entrepreneurs who are forced to figure something out mm-hmm. because they don't have the time or the privilege or the luxury to go through school for a whole bunch of years, like, I need to do something now. And so exactly. you... Um, Survival mode. Yeah. And you create something amazing when you don't have options, you know? So it's sort of the positive of of adversity. If you right. have, if you endure adversity, you learn how to beat it or you don't. And there's a, it's much better to beat it than the <laughs> alternative. Whereas, you know, you, I'm sure we all know people, you know people who've never had any adversity. And then the first thing that happens, they just don't know how to deal with exactly. it, you know? So... Today's podcast is brought to you by Goodwin and Tyne Properties. They've been in business for more than 16 years in Santa Barbara. Goodwin and Tyne offers full-service real estate brokerage with attorney-trained realtors who work together as a team to deliver their clients the most professional concierge service available. You can reach Goodwin and Tyne Properties today at 805-899-1100 or at www.gtprop.com. That's www.gtprop.com. Let's talk a little bit about anyone who might be in a similar situation to you. You know, a single mom with some kids trying to figure out how you make it work. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of decisions that uh, people have to make. Do I partner with somebody so that I can double my Mm -hmm. income? And maybe it's not what I want to do, but it's what I have to do. How do I have child care when I need to work? Um, what is that balance? And, and do my kids really care how much money I make if I just spend time with them, but maybe later they're going to figure it out or think, I wish mom would have worked more so we had more? I mean, all those things. Tell me how you juggled all that, and did you get any help from your family to help with children and raising and all that?
1: So I want to say when I started, I started my entrepreneurial position, I was working part-time. Yeah. This was very part-time because I already was working about 50, 60 hours, traveling a lot, and I was you know, given this opportunity to learn about money. And number one, I learned about a lot about me, mm-hmm. what I wasn't doing right. And I think it was important and eye-opening that I learned for myself first, so I had to kind of be my own first test subject. Can I change my habits? Can I change my my money habits? And how am I going to put value on myself? Is there a
0: validation that comes from spending money? I know that. I mean, I'm kind of a cheapskate. I don't spend (laughs) money on much um, food. There's like my, like, oh, I'm going to go out to eat. But I don't buy a lot of, like, nice things because I just don't. That's not my values. But I do know that those times when I have, like, indulged on something nice. Like, I feel... Wow, so good it about myself, great. you know? It and feels great. Is that, like, do you get that feeling when you were spending? Or? Of
1: course. Uh-huh. It, it's instant gratification, yeah. right? You feel good, <laughs> like you just bought yourself something, right? Something great. And you rewarded yourself. You rewarded yourself. But I think we forget to, that we need to punish ourselves sometimes too, mm-hmm. right? We can't overspend and overindulge. And I think that's why credit card debt is the way that it is, mm-hmm. right? That's why people are in tremendous amount of debt because it's a status thing, like, I have to have this. And it feels great, but I can't pay for this right now. So, you know, when it comes to being a mom and starting out, you have to ask yourself, what do you value? Do you value your the opinions of your kids and what you can provide them with? And I think most people say, i got to work, but I love spending time with my children. And sometimes time being spent at home is way more valuable for kids. Mm-hmm. Because we look at the gang issue, we look at the issues, you know, with children running away and, and being in circles of bad influences, that's because the parents are working a lot to give these kids a roof over their head and, you know, clothes on their back and sometimes overindulging them and getting them computers and cars. I—I We didn't live that way. We lived very humbly. My mom's cooked every night. We maybe went out to eat once a week. Um, and I think I just wanted to spoil my kids a little more. I wanted to give them a little bit more. And so when I first got started, this was back in 2015. So trust me, I was an employee for many years prior to that.
2: Yeah.
1: And yeah, I made great money. But I also missed milestones of my kids because I was busy at work traveling and I traveled all over the place.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think when you start to really see time, time escapes and we don't get it back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's no way I could buy time back. Yeah. So you can make all the money in the world But are you present? And I think I I realized that I really wasn't present for a lot of things of my kids' lives. Mm -hmm. A lot of doctor's appointments, parent-teacher conferences that I missed. Right? And so the guilt kind of gets to you. So, you know, you tend to buy their love and their attention come Christmas. So, yes, I made great money. And I I spent thousands on Christmas and giving them everything they wanted when they really wanted their mother. Right? And I think that's important for them to be Um, in your life like that
0: so maybe some of those realizations did that help you think I need to sort of go into business for myself or be more dependent on myself to make money than someone cutting me
1: absolutely Uh I I just didn't want to be controlled yeah I didn't want my time controlled, I didn't want someone anymore and I had a really bad experience at my job Mm -hmm. to tell me that I couldn't take a two-week vacation when it was clearly something that I earned. I mean, you're telling me these are my benefits, right? But yet, um, you don't want to give me the time. You don't want to prove the time. You know how many people struggle with that? So many people, Mm -hmm. right? With getting time off from their bosses because, you know, they have to work. They can't. Well, I think organizations, wellness has been a big issue. Like take care of your people. It's got to be a, you know a good balance. But I think when you become an entrepreneur, there is no balance. There's no such thing. Mm-hmm. You have to learn how to balance that. So when I eventually figured it out down down the road, and I became a broker, I figured that I can control my time and my income. Yeah. And that was way more rewarding. I think I probably have more of a closer relationship to my kids now than ever before. Yeah.
0: So tell me about what you do now. You're a financial uh, coach, mm-hmm. broker. Mm-hmm. So what kind of people do you meet with? What kind of clients in general, general speaking?
1: What, Everyone. Everybody? Everyone. Uh, I think I focus more on the Hispanic community because okay. I'm bilingual. Yeah. I think because I come from that culture, we share similar stories, similar backgrounds, similar education types. Right. And it's incredibly important for me to let them know that they've got to prepare because we are living in a world right now where people are. You know, our parents are older and our friends' parents and grandparents are passing away. Mm -hmm. And I think with us not having the conversation early on in our culture, this conversation is imperative right now. So my clients vary. My clients vary from a hardworking, you know working class couple down to the single mom that, uh, you know, is scraping to get by. And as again, really it's what their financial goals really are. I really talk to them about what's important for them.
0: And we've touched a little bit on it, but what are some of those other cultural barriers that people who are maybe first generation, not accustomed to having a lot of wealth in the bank? Um, what are some of those, um, barriers to taking the risk of planning more? Is the feeling of I need the money now more than I will later, or is there just not enough money, or how do you sort of talk somebody out? If I if for example, if I told you, you know, I got a thousand dollars, what do you want me to do with a thousand dollars? What would you say?
1: Well if are you comfortable that with the fact that you have $1,000, number uh, one, uh, right? I have to feel them out and see how uncomfortable they really are with their current situation. Um, and then I would, you know, talk to them and say, what is it that you want to do?
0: Do you work with investment at all or help them
1: with that? Um, So what our products and services, they do. They track the S&P 500 index. Uh-huh. Um, so I give them really advice and an education on their current what I would say the current strategies that the wealthy have actually been taking advantage of for many years. Mm -hmm. So they're not familiar with these things. They're not familiar with uh, having a solid foundation. So I really kind of break that down very easily into the generational, right? So I want to say, uh, so you, let me ask you a question. What percentage of the country do you think is wealthy?
0: Not much. (laughs) (laughs) No, but take a good guess. You know, I don't know what the standard for wealthy would be, but I don't know. We'd say um, 5%.
1: That's a great guess. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So 5% of the country is wealthy. That means 95% of the country is not. Right. Right? And so what do the wealthy do? The wealthy, they establish a solid foundation, right? They understand money. They They have financial coaches and planners that teach them how to manage their money. Yeah. Right, So they understand mutual funds, they understand real estate, they own a house. They understand that at a very young age. Mm-hmm. right? They plan and prepare for the future. So when they get to their retirement age, these guys are at Starbucks reading the newspaper. Is that what they're doing? Is that That's what they're I doing? See? Yes. <laughs> they're actually enjoying their coffee. They're not there to work. right? Uh-huh. They're enjoying their coffee. The biggest fight they have is what vacation to take. <laughs> what car to drive. And I'm sure we see them. I mean, we live in Santa Barbara, the community of the newlyweds and nearly deads. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when you see that, by the way, Ms. Belch said that to me, and I've never forgotten it.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And she and you see this generation, and they, they pass on generation a while, well, right? 95% of us typically are making $40,000, $50,000 a year on average, maybe no more than $100,000. Mm-hmm. And so what is it that we do? We focus on putting our money where? In a bank. Mm. What do the bank offer us? Check-ins and savings. Mm-hmm. What is a savings account interest rate right now? 1%, mm, okay. if we're lucky, right. right? So what is, we have to take a look, what is 1% earning on $1,000, mm-hmm. right? Not much. So what do you? what is your money really doing for you? It's actually losing value, right? And we are renting mainly in California and how expensive is rent in California. We don't own a home. We don't have any other investments. We're not growing our money. We may have a 401k at work. We don't understand how it works. So when do we retire? We're probably still working. And you see our parents, they probably want to retire soon. So we have to take take action very quickly and find out, do I really want to be like my mom or my dad that they're still working at 6570, you know? Are they really happy? Do they want to be in that position? And so then we're asking ourselves, what is it that you want to do about that? Do you, and through the financial education and literacy that we provide, right, we are trying to give that 95% of people an opportunity to get to that 5% side. Just give them a shot. Just give them a shot at a decent light in the end of the tunnel, decent retirement, whatever that means to them, right? Whether it means that they have a little bit put away, and they can put it towards a house, right? Whatever, they, whatever is up to them. And I, will, I work with the 95% all day long because that is what's running this country. The, these people are running the country. And then it's important that they get a handle on their finances. So I focus on five different areas. Number one, are you saving enough and are you out of debt? So before we can even get you to save, are you out of debt? Mm-hmm. So let's help you get, let's help you there. Do you have student loan debt? Let's get you out of that, right? And then let's start to look at where your money goes. So we break down their expenses. And a lot of the times, we're so easy about what their goals are. I don't get into too many personal questions. It's really up to them, right? If they're interested in moving forward and learning how to have a different strategy, then it's, it's, I gotta know where you put your money. And we gotta fill those gaps in. So if you're spending $500 a month on going out to eat, entertainment, things like that, Cut 50% of that out. Cook a little bit more at home, right? Cut 50% of that out. And then where are you putting that money, right? You have to put some of it in liquid savings because it's important. For any medical emergency, any emergency such as this, we typically recommend anywhere between three to six months of monthly expenses be in a liquid account. So if a monthly expense is about $4,000 a month, you do the math. That's how much you need in liquid savings. Not a lot of people have that saved. Not a lot of people. And then we prepare for future planning, such as, you know, do you currently have plenty of life insurance? What uh, other retirement vehicles do you currently have? And how do you want them to work for you? How do you want your money to grow for you? Mm -hmm. And so I give them recommendations on long-term care, final expenses, life insurance, and annuities. Mm -hmm. and teach them about that.
0: As an entrepreneur, do you have any thoughts on or advice for people who, such as yourself, you know, a young latina single mom who may not see light at the end of the tunnel, but all they see is what's right here in front of them. Maybe something from your experience that sort of helps people understand I can do this, I can get out of this situation.
1: Mm-hmm. I think number 1 you ha- it has to be the right timing for you. I think frustration uh, once you reach that level of frustration people are starting to look at alternatives. Mm-hmm. People start to really look, man, is this really what I want to do? Everybody has a hope and a dream. You know, when mm-hmm. we were kids, what was it that we wanted to be when we wanted to grow up? Mm-hmm. When did we let go of that? Mm-hmm. And I think there comes a point in time that I saw that for myself. Man, I just really I wanted to teach my kids something different. I didn't want them just to see me at work.
0: What did you want to be when you were, like, eight years
1: old? Okay, I wanted to be a singer, first of all. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that didn't happen for me, right? Um, and then I wanted to be a lawyer. Okay. Okay, so um, I'm a Libra, and I like to argue. <laughs> so I wanted to be a lawyer. But, you know, I, I also saw, you know, an opportunity that, that, that got away from me because I became a mom very young. Mm-hmm. So it was only I, I immediately went into mom survival mode. Mm-hmm. And I think it took me a really long time to get where I am now. But I'm so fortunate that I did because I was open and I was frustrated. I was frustrated and it wasn't about the money because people can make money. But it was about the time that I wasn't spending with my kids. And I really wanted to teach them something different. And so I took it upon myself to do this part time and learn and then teach other people. And And I think the most important part is the leadership skills that I received as a business owner. I think most people are bad managers. You know, you're you're hired in a management position, and you're not a good people person, or you don't understand how to do conflict resolution, and how to work well under pressure, or you know how to delegate correctly. And I think we have you know what's called the entrepreneurial quadrant. You start as an employee, and you're an independent contractor, and then you become a business owner. But most people want to invest their money into something. Yeah. So people want to become that investor type. So you have to go through the cycle mentally of going through that. So through books and self-development, I really got to where I needed to be and through the help of my coaches as well.
0: What would you say is the biggest challenge obstacle has been for you to get where you're at now? Has it been external forces? You mentioned timing is everything. Mm-hmm. What's been like the biggest thing you've had to overcome in order for you to Take a breath and say, I'm in control. I got it. I have it figured out to as much as I can at this point in my life.
1: I think the belief system, you got to believe in yourself, yeah. right? Because most people say, well, I don't come from that background. Well, I don't understand. Well, I didn't graduate college. So what? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like going to a new job or learning when you're a kid how to tie your shoes or ride a bike. Mm-hmm. If you can learn something not knowing how to do it in the past and knowing that you have the opportunity and capability to mm-hmm. do it then that's the biggest obstacle. You are your biggest obstacle. <laughs> and everybody's going to say, well, I'm afraid to fail. Well, that's an obstacle you're going to have to overcome, mm-hmm. right? Um, you got to fail forward. You have to go through those failures and that adversity for you to realize that, that you can do it, mm-hmm. that it's okay. Anybody can do anything. Anybody can put their whatever they set their mind to, anybody can do it. I think that's by far the biggest challenge. It's you. You put roadblocks and excuses on yourself. So one of my mentors says, you can either make excuses or you can make money, but you can't do both. <laughs>
0: That's good. <laughs> is your mom still around? or My she, mother, yes. You know, and what role does she play in your life
2: these days?
1: Uh, I think she's been my rock. Um, yeah. She's my inspiration. Yeah. I just saw her through a ton of adversity, through divorce and us living in a... You know, one room again after her divorce and losing everything after the floods. I mean, it was, I've seen her being just such a tremendous fighter. And she's such a huge supporter of me and my business. Um, and she's just my inspiration, man. I, I, the reason I get up every day is to make sure she's taken care of.
0: Yeah and then so you have two children. I have two boys. And so what are you what lessons are you passing on to them when it comes to?
1: Save your money. Mm-hmm. Do not spend it on things you don't need. I think that's my biggest fight with them right now is they get they get paid and they you know save their birthday money and their Christmas money and then they go buy you know equipment or computers or whatever and I get it. That's their passion to some degree. but I also I encourage them to save and learn about investing mm-hmm. their money in the right places. That's my biggest thing for them. And and to to dream big, to dream big and to never give up on their dreams.
0: And do you have those big dreams still? do. Do do you think about going to law school? I
1: do. I do. I'm so big about um, immigration law because I I went through the process and I understand how strenuous it can be for an immigrant to be legal in this country. And I really wanted to be... Uh, number one, a civil rights lawyer and, a, and an immigration lawyer, because I saw what my mom struggled with, right? Uh, through personal problems, my dad refused to sponsor her and us, and she did it without him. So it was.
0: So I'm sorry. Help me understand that. What do you mean? So when he you're so so he
1: when you're here, you're a resident. Um, you sponsor somebody when you become a permanent resident. But but I mean permanent. It's every 10 years you got to pay. Mm-hmm. And you can sponsor a husband, wife, brother, sister that comes from another country to start their documentation and to be immigrated into this country. Mm-hmm. So you need someone to sponsor you
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's already here. And so because of my parents fighting and my mom wanted to divorce him, my dad didn't really want to sponsor my mom, kind of held it against blackmailed a little, little bit. And mm-hmm. she did it. And I just saw, I just, I just saw that such a Struggle, And I saw very limited resources when it comes to immigration. Information, how to do it, how to sit paperwork, the fees. And fees get pricier and pricier. So it's very expensive to become an immigrant in this country.
0: What, you know, you hear people say about illegal immigration, just go through the process. You mm-hmm. know, I know this person who went through the process and just do it the right way. What happens when you try to do it the right way? I mean, if, there's so many
1: obstacles, right, when there, you try to do it the right so way? There's so many obstacles and it could take you 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> And that's what it is. Is there's really nobody that wants to truly help you? Yeah. Right. And we I lived through a phase of my life. I, w- I did not become an official resident till my son was born. Mm-hmm. I was 21 years of age. Yeah. So that's how you long become the grateful. Took? That's yeah. how long the process can take.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you can come illegally in this country, and you're you're you know having to cash a check at a cash checking place or a liquor store, and you're paying fees, losses, and you don't pay taxes. I mean, it's just, it's a fear. You are living in fear, but you're willing to do whatever it takes to feed your family because you're coming to a better place, Mm -hmm. you're coming to a country that's giving you a better lifestyle, better opportunities for your family. And, you know, you have to do what you have to do, but you also have to understand these people come here for a better opportunity. Yeah, it's a big process. It's scary.
0: So you have thought about maybe being a civil rights attorney or mm-hmm. working with people on immigration mm-hmm. law to help speed up the process. Mm-hmm. And uh, You know, you mentioned you came across the border twice. Mm-hmm. Um, was it an ordeal? I mean, were, were you, at six, were you concerned about At safety? six, I had no idea what you I was no doing. It was, it was just like we're in a car. I had no idea
1: why all of a sudden I'm in a car, and then all of a sudden I'm in a, I'm in a different place. I'm no longer in Mexico. Right. I had no idea. And then the, right? second the second time, I was detained. So that was scary. So knowing what's happening, especially with, that, with what's happening right now with these people the that are held in, mm-hmm. in these cages, I mean, it breaks my heart because I was there. Mm-hmm. But there was no cages then. It was just kind of like you're in one hole with a bunch of different people, you know? And it's a scary thing, man. It's a really scary thing. And I think people have. They they have rights to be heard and they have rights. I mean, if you're gonna you know detain us, then you deport us back. That's what they were doing before. Now they're holding them. Like, I just think that's incredibly unfair. Mm-hmm. Now, before they, well, you got detained, then you got sent back. There you go. You're being let on in, in the bus back into TJ. You figure it out. Right, mm-hmm. and so that's probably it was very frightening, very scary.
0: And you've stayed in Santa Barbara for <laughs> Santa Maria for a little while. One year. yeah, so here you are, you're a financial coach, and you're really you know smart on like life planning and money, and you're in Santa Barbara, which is like one of the most expensive, most expensive places, places to live. <laughs> so, uh, what about that draw? You know, what what do you say to people who are like, well, if if you really want to make the most of your money, move to Oregon. Or move somewhere where it's really cheap, you know, right. or something inexpensive. Uh, what's kept you here in Santa Barbara?
1: Uh, family, mm-hmm. right? Number one, family. My kids, you know, went. I went to school here. My kids love it here. I think this is an amazing community. I've always loved it. We live in a little bit of paradise. I mean, think about it. We live somewhere where people vacation. Yeah. And uh, I just really wanted to plant my roots here. And plant my kids' roots here, because I, I love this community. I, I love everything it represents. It's, it's, it's still very cultural, and it's just kind of where I grew up. You know, I know I was born in Mexico, and I love my culture. I'm very, you know, one hundred percent pure Latina at heart. I'm always gonna adopt those things, but I think my kids have an opportunity to raise a family here. It's up to them, and there's nothing wrong with any other state, right? Um, but you, you, you obviously have to make money to live here.
0: Yeah. And I imagine with your financial planning role, you have to stay sort of politically neutral, not, not mm-hmm. to offend anybody. But of what do you think of what's going on? in the if you want to answer that, <laughs> the state of the country right now with um, obviously, you know, we've had the George Floyd incident and there's so right. much awareness around you know, police brutality and police mm-hmm. issues. And we've got all these protests and marches. And then in Portland, they're still marching, mm-hmm. you know, every night. Um, you know, as a person of color, a Latina, I mean, what's your attitude on sort of overcoming sort of systemic issues in terms of being successful and dealing with people who may not be open to uh, inclusion and that sort of thing? As I'm sure you've dealt with this your entire life. Mm-hmm. But what's your... What's your recommendation for somebody who's who's maybe struggling with not feeling included or equal in this society?
1: I think that's part of the reason why I'm always a, I became a part of the company, because 54% of it is not only ran by women, but Latina. Latina. Okay. Oh, okay. And so that became a huge awesome thing for me because, I mean, you're going to reach a plateau in a business, in a corporate world where you're not going to get as high as owning that business or as high as a CEO, Mm
2: -hmm. right?
1: And and so I ask everyone really stay open. It doesn't matter where you come from. Uh, We represent 27 different cultures in our company. Mm -hmm. So we don't care where you come from. We Mm -hmm. don't care where you were born. We don't care your heritage. Mm -hmm. You have an opportunity to take hold of your financial future and bring value to people because, I'm sorry, money and death doesn't care what color you are. It doesn't care what color you are. And I think right now is is such an opportunity for all of us to kind of be more aware of what you have here. Be more aware of what your rights are. Be more aware. Read books. Be more aware. Don't buy into the media. I think it's the biggest thing for me. Don't buy into the media. Buy into coming together with family understanding your future mm-hmm. what are your next five moves
0: into the fear of the media exactly or you're
1: in the fear of everything and the fear mm-hmm. I think we have to be cautious right we have to things are much
0: worse when you sort of take in all those messages mm-hmm. and have maybe a more simple life in terms of your interactions with people. You yeah, sort of it just, you know, it
1: becomes a place of being grateful, yeah. you know, and just the gratitude. You get up in the gratitude that you're, you know, you don't have the virus, that your family's safe, mm-hmm. and, that, you know, you're surviving, right? And I think most people are very scared right now. They're yeah. very, very scared. And so you have to kind of be, you know, at ease and saying, listen, we're in a very uncertain times. We're very interesting <laughs> times. But don't let it defeat you. Um, you know, when the Latino community is at 40%, if we just kind of all stick together and we all harmoniously understand that we're essential people here, mm-hmm. that the, the country wouldn't really run without all the immigrants that are here,
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's a sense of power that I think we get. There's a sense of something because, you know, we, we're a melting pot of people. There's, no, there's nothing wrong with us. We should all just appreciate life. Yeah. and I appreciate the gratitude of life right now. Yeah. So, you know, you walk into it not talking about it, you know. Yeah. It's tragedies that have happened, obviously, rights. But I think people just need to be aware. Read, read your rights. Know your rights. Okay.
0: And so is there anything else that you want to say or sort of uh, any lessons or message you want to share with people who are looking to build more financial sustainability and longevity? I think... It all kind of ties together because the more financial independence you have Mm -hmm. from the system or a partner, the more confidence, the more self-esteem you have. And uh, that probably goes a long way to feeling as though you have a place in this world. Um, It's all connected in terms of being able to have the expectations hey, I don't have to be poor. I deserve just as much as the next person to be able to have a long-term plan for my finances. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a message that people, a lot of people don't realize. But is there anything else we haven't talked about that you want to sort of say in terms of what people need to know when they're thinking about their future?
1: I just want people to stay hopeful,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that there's there are people out there that want to help you. And there was somebody out there that helped me. And I think that's really what I... What Our goal is, as a company, Mm -hmm. is to give the financial um, education that was so deeply needed in this country Mm -hmm. to the hardest-working Americans that are really trying to live the rest of their future stress-free. Stress can kill people, right? Mm -hmm. And I want them to know that this will all end soon. Mm -hmm. This will all end soon. But Mm -hmm. be prepared. Mm -hmm. And don't be shy and don't be skeptical, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think... Seek out the information that you're that you're looking for, and uh, just you know I think mean, trust is a big issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but just find somebody that's credible, someone that's been doing it for a while, and someone that you, you mentioned, recommend
0: to. You mentioned a mentor, and then you mentioned right now mm-hmm. someone helped you. Mm-hmm. Is that a financial person yes. or just somebody? So
1: this is the individual mm-hmm. that you know first and foremost protected me and my family, mm-hmm. he taught me a lot of what I what I know now and what I teach now.
2: Yeah,
1: and but it, it's. It's everything. I mean, this this individual um, has taught me how to take ownership of the decisions that I made, right? And to know that anybody doesn't matter. You can save ten dollars a week, twelve dollars a week. That's a one lunch. Think about that. He said anybody can start from anywhere. It's the desire to start, and, and that the trust that they need to have in somebody that can coach them to get there. And it is not an overnight process. Just like how it's, Overnight success doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know, overnight success is twenty years. <laughs> but just know, just start. Start somewhere and reach out. Start somewhere. We can help. We have workshops all the time. I give classes in English and in Spanish. Mm-hmm. I have a ton of resources. I mean, they're out there. I think people just need to take a step back and be ready and open to take the take the advice
2: yeah. and
1: let ego set aside. Trust me, not everybody's in the financial place they want to. So yeah. put your ego aside, but also be hopeful that there are people mm-hmm. out there that I want to
0: help Well, Ileana Gonzalez, <laughs> I really appreciate your time. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much you for having me. So much. Okay, um, you can find more podcasts like this at santabarbaratalks.com. And thanks to Kiva Cowork for supporting these podcasts, which you can also find on Apple
2: Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, everywhere you get your podcasts. Thank you.